Okay, hello, uh, and welcome to a new episode of Innovations in Education. My name is Kevin Hogan. I'm editor-at-large for eSchool and eCampus News. Uh, for the past year or so, I've been interviewing uh, ed executives uh, at uh, K-12 districts, talking about their response to the pandemic, talking about other issues that involve the integration of education and technology, and most importantly, the security of those systems. Uh, this episode is the first where we're focusing on higher education, uh, something that uh, we've been looking to do for a while now, and I'm very excited to kind of add this to the Innovation in Education podcast series. And uh, man, uh, no better way to get started uh, with a conversation here with Mark Dean, uh, Senior Systems Administrator at Morehouse School of Medicine. So we're, we're starting off with a pretty high bar here. Morehouse is among the nation's leading educators of primary care physicians, biomedical scientists, and, and public health professionals. It's an independent, private, and historically Black medical school. It is also recognized as the nation's number one institution to fulfill a social mission, the creation and advancement of, of health equity. Uh, the school was founded in 1975. It's located in Atlanta. It has approximately 1,000 students and 1,300 faculty and staff. Uh, Mark, that gives you a, a, a pretty uh, heavy-duty responsibility in terms of the, uh, the maintenance and security of that network. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, join with me today. My pleasure. Maybe we could just jump right into the weeds here and talk about the news. Uh, I know that uh, Morehouse recently started a new arrangement with uh, some organizations involving uh, data security, which, from my perspective, before the pandemic, was the number one issue uh, that tech directors, both in the K-12 space and the higher ed space worried about. I know that it was uh, ransomware specifically was something that was, uh, those sort of attacks had increased 100% between 2019 and 2020. And the average cost of a ransomware attack was around $450,000 uh, to the average university. So was that uh, your case? I mean, from your experience, I know you're just recently with Morehouse, but um, was ransomware something that was always high of mind for you? It, it was not on my on my list until about two, three years ago. Um, we've always had a, a good backup um, and recovery type of uh, scenario. We've been with Bean for a number of years now, um, and, that, and that's what we use. But what really got me worried was reading about how ransomware people, let's call them that, um, they're actually now going after your backups. So they're actually going and trying to find out what do you use, being backup exec, uh, um, um, Iron Man, whatever, whatever you use, and they go ahead and they delete your backups. So you have no way to recover. And if you use the cloud, they can get into your cloud stuff and they delete your cloud backup, unless you have arrangements with the cloud provider. So that really caused me a lot of concern because backups are going as good as you can put them back. And so we, we looked at what we were doing and uh, we made some changes based on you know, industry standards and Beam has a lot of information on that. Um, uh, a change in how we look at the backups is what really we had to do. And we implemented that and there's still some things we're implementing, but, but that was the, the impetus. And apparently you had some legacy backup systems at Morehouse. It wasn't like you were just completely uh, un unprotected or unaware, but uh, there sounded like there were separate things. And now you have a new solution with Ream. Uh, talk a little bit about uh, that migration. 
Well, being we've been with Bean for about six years now, maybe maybe seven. Um, it was the backup that they had when I got here, which was about ten years ago. It was very bad. It was horrible. Um, and we tried a couple of different things, and then and, and then we went with Beam, and it really worked really well. Um, we back up to arrays, just like most most companies do. But our our goal was disaster recovery. Um, it was um, you know, getting last night's backup, you know, that kind of stuff, accidental things, equipment failures, you know, that kind of things. Our backups were um, accessible to us. And that ends up being your Achilles heel in the, in the modern ransom world. Ransom so yeah, so the, the, they're so sophisticated now, they go in and they, they kind of take out your <laughs> that, that backup side. Yeah. Part of the the descriptions uh, and part of the benefits, apparently, that that, that you saw was that um, the new solution that you have helps um, lay the cornerstone cornerstone for the three two one one rule, one one zero rule. Can you talk a little bit about that? What is that exactly? Well, it used to be the three two one where you have three different backup, two different media, at least one offsite. Well, now you add to that, you have a backup that is. Um, off-site, but also one that is air-gapped, meaning that you can't get to it from the network. Mm. Um, and, and that's what we're using right now, our tape back. We have a big, giant tape array, right? One of those, um, what do you call those? Uh, an automatic thing um, that we, we made that air-gapped. So it, it backs up to that. And um, by doing that, you can't get to that from the network. Got it. So, what we're also working on is a way to get our, our cloud stuff to have what they call immutable backups. So the cloud provider won't delete it unless we call them and, and, and make some sort of arrangement or, or won't delete it at all after a certain amount of time, uh, for a certain amount of time. So one of those two options or both in our case um, is what we're headed for because like I said, they're, they're, they're looking for the backups and they're gonna find them because you have to have that accessible in order to back your systems up. So. Right. Right. It sounds to me like, I mean, we were talking about really sophisticated, really complex um, infrastructure and, and dynamic. I mean, so, I mean, this is in the case of you're installing a piece of software, right? It sounds like you must have a more of a, a, a robust relationship with Reen. Talk a little bit about that. I mean, is, are they more of a, a service provider than a software vendor? How do you, how do you view that relationship? Uh, they're a software vendor and we, we, we use their, their main product, the backup and replication product, I think it's called um, Beam Availability Suite because it combines their backup and replication product with the 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 um, the monitoring piece, which is Beam One, and that comes into play in in guaranteeing that your backups are good, right? So the big problem with backups, well, you back it up, but how do you know the backup's good? Yeah. Right. So Veeam has a way to automate that. They have a sure backup process where it'll actually restore um, what you backed up and test it. They also have ways to detect, check the consistency of the of the backup to make sure that what was written is 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 correct by checksumming and things like that. Um, so yeah, there's an infrastructure. So there's Veeam server, there's repositories, there's proxy servers, there's tape servers. I mean, it's a it's an actual infrastructure that we have now to, to get it all. Um, um, put together, and and now with on on the client side, we're getting a lot of Macs, and we, we for the Windows side we're fine because we, we redirect that 
that, that stuff to a server and that gets backed up. That doesn't work on a Mac. So we're actually having Beam go in and, and hit high value Mac Macs so that they can be backed up as well. So it's a it's a bit it's a big infrastructure. Yeah. Out. How how has the, the pandemic affected the way in which you manage the district uh, or manage the campus uh, network? when it comes to security, when everybody went remote and I'm assuming there's still some, some uh, elements of hybrid involved. Did, did that change things at all? It changed in the sense that um, we didn't have the reach into user systems that, that we were backing up, but it didn't really change much because once they, once they would hit VPN, they'd be on our network and most people just hit their desktop, you know, with their, with their laptop from home. Um, and they, they were routed to where their files were on the shares or databases or whatever they were using. Uh, we have a good amount of cloud stuff, software as a service stuff. So um, it was it was pretty seamless for them. We had to do some upgrades because all of a sudden a thousand people were hitting our, our VPN. So right. that March, that's when, we, that's when we went all, March 2020, that's when we went all 100% remote. And that was, uh, we had to actually upgrade some equipment. Gotcha. Talk a little bit about um, the behavior side of data security. Uh, the things I've read about uh, the ransomware attacks, a lot of it um, come in because of user behavior or the, just a lack of awareness when it comes to a user and basically phishing attacks of uh, going in and getting in. Is, is that part of um, Morehouse's data security strategy is to inform faculty and students on uh, being aware of how people are trying to get in? Absolutely. We have a security department um, that uh, sends out test phishing examples. And if a user clicks on it, then they know about it. And then the user has, I think, doing some training or something. Um, and, and that number is coming down. Um, the problem becomes when someone gets busy with their day, you get an email and it's going to be from the name is going to be from the president of the company or somebody like that. Maybe even you know, they, they'll get it. They'll scrape IP. I mean, IP, they'll scrape uh, email addresses off our websites you know, like anybody else does. And so they're going to make it look like it's from Morehouse, even though it's not. We have things in the email that tells them, you know, this is from an external site, but people don't think, you know, or you know, it only takes one time, you know, you click on it. And it opens a PDF and it says, oh, you need to open, you need to put a password in there or anything like that. Um, that's why it's, it's that's, why we, that's why I don't have a lot of uh, confidence that this is something that can be solved uh, because in, in this case, it's the users who are giving them what they want. They, they replicate a password field, make it look like they're logging into something, they make it look like our webpage or whatever. Um, so you really can't blame them even though we tell them well, don't click on links in email, um, it's, it's just too much, I think, for users to really uh, get a handle on. Um, and it's really hard from security side to manage, manage that because, you know, links, how do you know a link is good or bad? The, the, the ransomware people use Amazon services, just like we use Amazon services. So it's really hard to get that. The other thing, though, is some stuff comes in from unpatched systems. So when I hear of a company that, got hit with ransomware and it was an unpatched system. I don't, my, my sympathy gets lower from that because there's really no excuse for that. You know, yeah. especially if, if you're Windows, they don't even charge for updates. So 
there's no reason why an assistant administrator would ever be behind in patching. I mean, I know we're all busy, but yeah, that's an that's an easy win because most ransomware is two two things actually. It's clicking on something and then it's exploiting some problem with the PC, some unpatched thing, and then they do things like pivoting where they'll gain administrator access and then they'll now they got that for this one user. Now they go look at the network using the same tools we use to manage a network. They're going to enumerate the network. They're going to say, well, if this password work here, they better work here. And then they look for your servers and they look for your backups. And then you have a rough, rough week. Yeah. Is there anything about um, the fact that Morehouse is a medical school or it's just when you're talking about um, that sort of work that they're doing that makes the data uh, that much more, um, I don't know, less secure or, or, or more important to protect when it comes to, you know, medical images or private health information out of, um, you know, patients possibly that are working in, in the school. Talk a little bit about if there are any extra layers of concern on your part from a, from a network perspective, because we're talking about a, a medical institution. There, there is only because we have uh, clinics. So we have healthcare data. So we, we have actual patients out in the, uh, in the remote clinics. And that kind of data is, is, is a prime target because it's, it's got a lot of information that can be used to um, steal identities. So my mm. understanding is ransomware people go after that kind of data. Um, now I heard I read somewhere that they're they're not gonna um, hit healthcare places, but I don't know if you can trust people who um, do this kind of thing. Um, someone's gonna do it. Yeah. And we get we get we get not just spam. We get phishing emails every day. There's not a day that goes by that some phishing email comes to somebody. So it's, we're we're constantly being hit. I mean, they may many they may not even know who we are. These are coming right. from other countries and all that stuff. So. Yeah, it's just kind of a random, random attacks, right? Yeah. yeah. And there's really no way to, to fight that. Right. How about, um, I know in the past um, that sometimes some of these protective solutions um, were sometimes seen as a luxury or like for, in terms of when it came to a budget item, they were not necessarily seen as a, a, a primary need over a budget. Has that perception changed uh, in your opinion over the, the past few years? I mean, is it is it less difficult now to convince the powers that be that this is something that's necessary? I mean, do you have to cost justify it, I guess? At one time we did, but uh, about maybe three years ago, yeah, about three years ago, you know, things happened to where we said, okay, this is what we need to do is start trying to fight these things. And, and we beefed up the security side. Um, we got hardware and software that helped mitigate some of this um, as best as it can be. You know, firewalls got upgraded and all that stuff. But yeah. yeah it, it, security is something now that, that the budget people really now understand it's something we've got to do. There's no way yeah. around it. Yeah. And, um, you know, I usually try to wrap up these conversations with a glass half full uh, sort of question. When it comes to data security, I really think that the term solution um, doesn't work very well. I mean, it, this, is, this isn't something that's just going to go away as a result of a technology or an application or a technique, right? But talk about how what you see going forward. I mean, this is just kind of a, it's a, it's a never-ending psychological and algorithmic war that that is now kind of part of any network administrator's job 
Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I mean, it really is. It's, it's something that you're constantly looking at. Um, you're looking at things that you know, tripwire things that you want to take a closer look at, but in reality, I mean, it's, it's great to prevent it if it's possible, but if you have in your back pocket, okay, if the worst happens, we can get our finance data back, we can get our uh, clinic data back, we can get all the research data, because we have research, um, uh, or research school as well. We can get all the stuff back. I know I can get it back because, you know, I'm looking at the backups, I get notified, I know when backups fail, I know that immediately it's tried again. So that becomes your big focus is, and let the security guys focus on maybe the prevention side, because I'm not, I'm not on the security team, I'm, I'm sysadmin. So I'm gonna be the one and, and my team is going to be the one to put things back if it does get that far. Got it. Well, Mark, thank you so much for your for your time and your insights. I think it's going to be really helpful for our audience, our readers and listeners to uh, glean some of those things that you've been working with and applying in their own districts. And hopefully we can uh, keep these uh, keep these folks at bay. Yeah, I mean, it's my pleasure. I mean, one of the things I would recommend uh, all all all. Uh, whether they're executives in IT or not, Microsoft has a great, um, I don't know what the link is, but Microsoft has a great um, blog, if you will, that talks about what they're seeing with these ransomware attacks. And it is, it is both scary and interesting at the after effects and what, what is happening when these things hit. And if you know that, you can, you can tune your, your um, disaster recovery and your, and your response to ransomware accordingly. Great. Well, I'll, I'll get that link and I'll add it to the end of the at the end of the article where people can get uh, more research uh, resources. But once again, thanks for your time and your insights. I appreciate it. My pleasure. And thanks every and thanks everybody for watching this first episode of Innovations in Education and Higher Ed. Uh, hope you click around and find another one soon.